Hey everyone, welcome back to 90 Days on Fire. As always, I'm Reality Squad. I'm joined by my girl, 90 Days of Drama. What's up, what's up? And tote the memes. Hello. So today we are going to be discussing season five, episode eight of um, Happily Ever After titled Hell Hath No Fury. And this was quite the episode. Oh yeah. What did you guys think of it? It was rough. From the get-go, they were just yelling and screaming. And, you know, at first I was watching it while doing some work. And then I was like, okay, no, this is going to need all my attention with all the yelling. (laughs) It's not a background show anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Larissa calling Natalie. Natalie, Natalie. Yeah. I mean, what a shit show, right? She looks horrible in this episode. Well, let's just jump right into her then. um, Because, okay, I had talked to my husband about this and we have a little bit of a differing opinion. So apparently Larissa gave Eric a phone. Does she have the right to take the phone back? Drama, what do you think? Oh my God. I I was just thinking the same thing. I actually wrote down here, who has a right to keep the phone? Question mark. But to me, I feel if Larissa gave Eric the phone and they broke up, I don't know. To me, it's like, you know, if you didn't take your phone back during that breakup, that phone is his. Like, you know, you can't just get it. You can't just ask for it back just because it was yours to begin with. But, you know, that's all out of spite because she's upset, I'm sure, you know. But Mm. she also has a point. He bashed her on the phone and said horrible, like horrible, revealing horrible intimacy things to other people. So Mm. I, I don't know, I'm on the fence. I'm kind of like half and half. See, for me, I was saying take the phone back a hundred percent. And my husband was saying, no, you, you, his point was that he highly doubts she ever made it clear that it was a temporary gift. So why wouldn't he assume that that was her phone? So what, what do you think? I think that Larissa deserves to get the phone back. I mean, he's rude and he decided to bash her you know to everyone in front of his own parents like that's really weird to be talking about your sex life with larissa and how terrible it was to your own i would have taken it back too and i thought it was crazy that david had a call and say well we're gonna call the cops on you like how low can they get and so that just made me feel even more which is a rare occurrence but like i felt for larissa i thought you know what she should take the phone back. And I like that she stood her ground. She said, mm-hmm. well, then do it. And then I have proof that this is my phone. Do you know, do you know if they fought about him saying that she, she has a fucked up pussy or a fucked up blowjob? Like, what was mm-hmm. it? I want to know. There's many schools of thought on to what was said. Um, it seems like the first converse, the first thing she said was discussing anal <laughs> and the, oh my god was that was that when he referenced cheesy butt and then i thought about it i was like oh that's, that's oh that, uh. <laughs> um then the second was her um oral technique Oof. she's like i but, spent ten thousand dollars on this face it's not stretching out anymore <laughs> and then she goes bitch <laughs> um it, eric i First of all, Larissa, this is not the guy to be spending, to have him buy you boobs if he can't even buy himself a phone, right? (laughs) Like, oh my goodness. What do do you guys think about uh, him saying, well, she accuses him, I don't know if I can trust you. And so he he throws it back at her like, I don't know if I can trust you, Larissa. Is it? You know, if they were broken up and he was seeing somebody else, do you think that she should bring up past occurrences? You know, her, especially because she asked for a second chance and almost seemed like he didn't, he wouldn't, you know, if she didn't reach out to him, I don't think that he would want her to move back in. I don't think he was really left with a choice. I think he's a clout chaser. Well, he's a clout chaser and I'm, he's a human being too. And it's either like, Mm -hmm. let's get back together or I'm going to be homeless. She, Mm -hmm. he was kind of up against a wall, you know, Miss Dolly Parton walking around with a bathrobe on. (laughs) 
<laughs> Dolly Parton would very much like to be excluded from this narrative, I'm sure. She's sending a season to this now. That was such a random reference. <laughs> Can we get to his hand movements that were driving me wild? I'm like, what are you? I was so distracted. I don't even remember what he was saying, but I was like, what are we doing? right? Are we like landing right. a plane? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I, was I was like, like are you wow. acting it out? Is this Pictionary? Like, what are you doing? I was like, he was so animated. I was like, wow, I wish that I can be as animated when I'm arguing with somebody, but... <laughs> Those it's almost like confusing. You're yeah. like, wait, I don't know if you're angry or if we're playing a game now. Like, I don't think it would be very functional in an argument. It was very manic. It was <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, I made a meme that said it gave me anxiety and it did. It, yeah. it, I was like anxious watching him. So relatable. Yeah. I. It, it's so funny because one of the things about the phone thing is I used to work for Verizon and in New York... Any theft over $500 was considered grand larceny. And, you know, these phones these days have values of $1,200, over over $1,000. So she could be charged with a felony. So that is like, it's when David was giving her that advice, it was actually good advice in my opinion, because it seems so silly, but these phones are worth so much money that she could get into serious trouble if, you know, the courts or whatever deemed that it was his phone, even if she did buy mm-hmm. it for him. Carmen brought up a great point, too, when she said, you know what, Larissa, you have a past and Eric doesn't have a past. They're going to think that you were the one that was at fault anyways. And, you know, it sucks to think about that, that maybe justice wouldn't have been evaluated as much but i mean that is the truth of the fact larissa would have been the one that would have been found at fault but she was still standing her ground what about her saying that the phone is registered to her name well then that's true if that's true then she does have uh, a leg to stand on there but why would you want to risk getting deported over a phone right and this just goes to show you like larissa is a ticking time bomb she she doesn't really think in advance of what's going to happen or the the repercussions of her actions until when it happens. I mean, she has to stalk his phone and find any girl that has ever spoken to and then chase them down. That was the only point in Eric's animated argument that I really with. Like, why does she need to chase all these women down and get every single detail from them? It's creepy. It's uncomfortable. I can't imagine if you know, my ex started dating someone and then she called me out of the blue and was like, what happened when you guys were together? You know, what would you do? It's weird. I would not enter. I would not take that phone call. (laughs) I would point. Yeah. Um, Well, we will see what happens uh, with them, but we got to talk about Kalani and Asuelu. I feel like Asuelu gets worse and worse every week. Yes. Um, what I did love this week though, was that Kalani had some great one-liners. She was <laughs> savage and I was here for it. What did you guys think? It was really interesting having him, having him just wanting to give his family money to buy their love. I mean, what a strange relationship that is, right? To just have with your family. It's, you know, it all depends on how much money you give them for them to to show any affection or, or to have a relationship with them. I mean, I do feel for Asuelu because, you know, where is he supposed to get this money from? And I mean, God isn't just going to make it appear in his pockets. And, you know, like he was saying, oh, we'll just give him a thousand dollars and then God will do the rest. Yeah, he was very homesick still. And so that kind of interested me. I wondered if maybe his whole life has just been trying to get their approval and now he's in America. And so maybe they think that if he sends them money, it can finally be the time where they're proud of him. One thing that I thought was good for us to know is that Kalani put it in perspective for us. He only makes a thousand dollars a month. And so he's essentially saying, I want all the money that I make to go straight to my family, you know, or to his parent, to his mom and to his sister, not even to his immediate family that he's married to now. You see how demanding they are too. So it's not like they're asking him quietly Mm -hmm. and that, you know, they're just basically like, well, we need money. And we need it now. I found it very interesting that he clearly, as we saw in the store, has no concept of 
the value of a dollar or what it takes to earn a dollar or even like what's the better value you know there were all those cans of food and then there was like that huge can and he was like weighing it to see what was the better value not like looking at the price and i found that to be very interesting also i we know that it's very common in in across many cultures to take care of your elders to take care of your family members but i don't think any person would say take care of me at the expense of your children or your Mm -hmm. wife I don't think anyone would do that so I think that's why people are having such a reaction to his mom and sister Mm -hmm. because they Mm -hmm. just seem yeah they seem aggressive they seem demanding it seems rude like they told him to take his car back to the dealership they would rather him not have a car it's like beyond me that's not love that's not how a family should love each other where it's how can I get every single ounce from you and then not do anything back in return it's like that idea of well I gave birth to you and so now you owe me everything in life you know I don't think that makes any sense they're guilting him into into believing that the only way he's going to receive anything from them or a relationship is is through my you know by providing money to them and and taken away from his own family like you said toad i think it's ridiculous that 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 would be that way i don't i don't know if it's tlc's edit because it just seems so overboard yeah and extreme to have somebody do that but you could tell that it causes a lot of friction between him and kalani and it also causes a lot of anxiety with forazuelu i think Mm -hmm. that's the reason why he's been acting out in the way that he is is because he's got repercussion He's, he has anxiety over this. Mm-hmm. All right, that's what I meant to say. Oh, it's all good. I also, you know, it was so funny to me where he was like, you know, money will, ju- you know, as, as long as we have faith or something, money will just appear. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I loved Kalani's line of, okay, so let's give your mom a thousand dollars. Let's give my parents a thousand dollars. And then let's just pray that our bills will get paid. <laughs> and I'm Christian and you know, that's not how, at least in the Christian faith, it seems that we believe in it. it's more of, you know, that you have to be realistic. You have to do your part and then trust God with the rest, not let me just give all the money that I possibly have, you know, because I'm trying to earn love and then expect that I'm going to miraculously have more money. That's not, I don't understand where he's getting that idea from. And the other thing that really baffled me is that he has two children and the, his mother, right, has now two grandchildren and that there's no regards for them. It seems like Kehlani is single-handedly raising them and that there's no grandparents from his side that care. That really shocked me. What did you guys think? The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree then, right? I mean, yeah. he was so upset about not going to see them right away after traveling with these kids for 12 plus hours. Come on now. I mean, I have a toddler and... I can't even be in the car with her without breaks and naps for six hours. So I can't imagine being on a plane. And mm-hmm. Sarah, you've been on a plane traveling cross country with your baby girl. I mean, how was yeah. that experience for you? It was, I was just uh, going to say it was um, not fun. We've been here in Florida now for three days and I don't think that my daughter has had a good night's sleep yet. (laughs) So I can't Mm. imagine jumping off of a plane and then going to just socialize it. That sounds like the worst. (laughs) Why would you want to do that? First of all, you're nobody's in a good mood. The kids are crying and screaming. I mean, nobody wants to deal with that. I mean, he said, you know what though? His his family was probably waiting for them, prepared everything for them, Mm -hmm. had their whole table set out. So I can kind of understand if if that was the case, which I don't think so. They were probably just waiting for a handout. Um, If that was the case, then, you know, I'd feel guilty too, that Mm -hmm. my parents were ready and waiting and I'm not going to go and show up. Well, yeah. And that's something they should have thought about on the front end that, you know, they have two kids that when do kids do well after being up for hours and hours and hours? Mm -hmm. That's just not 
ever going to happen. So they probably shouldn't have committed to something, but I totally agree. I could see why he would be upset and disappointed if, you know, she had a spread laid out like Andre's mom. That would be like, really, uh, I would be disappointed too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think though my family in that situation, they would be understanding and that's what love is. But it seems like, again, he's just trying to do everything he can to please them, not be this true family. That's, it makes me sad. It's, it just seems like such a complex situation. And again, with TLC edits, who knows what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. I actually have a viewer's confession here for you all. It states, Kalani was raised as a strong, empowered woman, and she chose a man who she can control. Hmm. Facts? What do you guys think? Interesting. I think maybe she thought at first she could, because he definitely did come across as simple. And, you know, first season when we saw him, it was so sweet. And Kalani was just so rude when he was trying to give that dance at the airport. That was wild. But, you know, now that I'm seeing him, I... It seems like she has no control over him. I mean, she had a compromise to give them $100, which, sure, I mean, that's 10% of what they wanted, but it just it doesn't seem like it's actually a marriage from what we see on TV, especially when he's cussing at her over the idea of having to take care of their kids. He called his, or when the, his son was crying, he said it was so fucking annoying. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, and that was, be, I... You know, I think as a parent, we've all been there when we've felt that, when we've thought that, but at the end of the day, it's like your love for your kid overcomes that or it should. And it just doesn't seem like that is happening with him at all. And he even took it one step further. So there wasn't even a guilt conscience about that because then he was like, open this fucking door. And it's, wow, like, can you... Mm-hmm. At least acknowledge that your wife is tired as well and your kids are tired. You're on flesh and blood, but he just doesn't seem to care about that. Super disappointed in Asuelo this this season, for sure. For I sure. and you you can tell I think he's going through a depression. Yes. He seems like Eeyore to me from Winnie the Pooh, just like a sad cloud is just following him and you know on the one hand I feel bad but on the other hand it's like you're a dad like you gotta get your shit together you know right I stopped feeling bad for him once he was cursing and and Mm -hmm. you know disregarding his the the needs of his own children you know then I said wow what what an asshole this guy is and he just needs to grow up and you know I was also thinking that it's so funny because typically, or at least in my family, I can only really speak for my family, but um, my parents spoil the shit out of my daughter and my nieces, um, much more so than than I was growing up. They're very doting, you know, grandparents, usually it's like, Mm -hmm. come to grandma's house and you can, you know, have ice cream and whatever and (laughs) things that you can't have at your parents' house. But it's like with Asuelu's mom, I, I feel like she would, if, if Kennedy or Oliver were holding a $5 bill, she'd go up and just go, Oh, thank you. <laughs> take, take it out of their hand. Yes. Yeah. One thing that shocks me too about the relationship is how Oswego only seems nice to Kehlani when it comes time for her to be spending money. So it was when they were in the shop and it was $191 and he's like, that's not bad baby. And that was the only time I've seen him be nice to her. It seems wanted, like every other time. And he wanted to give his family $1,000 on top of that. Oh, yeah. This guy's this guy's a joke. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> I'm thinking here, so now I live in Florida. If someone came and brought all these t-shirts that said Los Angeles on it, or just, I don't know, pinks hot dogs like staples of los angeles i i don't really want that as gifts but thank you um i'm wondering like you know he was buying them sarongs and the the traditional shirts like do they really want that like i don't even do they even need that don't they have (laughs) that already (laughs) right (laughs) or like would they rather have i don't know some to spend two hundred dollars on something else (laughs) good point i think they like it's is that the only thing they like or, or do they like other, <laughs> other things that I just had that thought? Like I, if someone came and gave me like a Los Angeles snow globe, I'd be like, mm, thanks. This is going to go in a box in the garage. <laughs> you, can tell, a gift receipt. Yeah. you can tell, you can tell that Asuelo really wants to impress his family. He really wants to 
make fears about how they perceive him and maybe that he wants them to know that he's successful in a way by being able to provide for them maybe they don't know that he's serving soft serves but and you know what like I think we gave his mom and sister a pass for a long time because we thought that they were in Samoa Mm. now that they're in the United States they know how much stuff costs right right so it's like how do you expect, and you know, I'm assuming they probably know what he does for a living. They know he's not um, a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, making tons of money. Mm -hmm. And so it just seems, it boggles my mind that they would essentially have them be destitute. So the mom cannot work. She even said like, I'm lazy in America. Mm -hmm. In Samoa, she did all these things. And I had made a meme saying she could start an Etsy account and weave mats and sell them on Etsy and make a killing if she wanted Mm -hmm. to. Just an excuse for sure. And last episode, we touched on his his mom being in America and having a green card and being able to come back and forth, but they didn't show up for the wedding. Mm-hmm. And they're on the same coast. That has to be like a couple hour flight from yeah. Washington. Are they, or they're in you? Well, no, they got married in Orange County, right? California. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been like a two, three hour flight. And they couldn't even with no, they wouldn't have to add to travel with kids or anything like that. That would have been so easy. I mean, that would have been respectful to do, right? The right thing to do is to, to meet your, your son's in-laws and the family and and just to be there for the wedding or just give their son some type of support at this point it's like he's he's been going through this whole thing alone they don't care about him they just want his money they just want what's in his pockets and it just you know a lot of cultures i know i worked with a guy when i worked at verizon who is indian and very they he got married they moved his parents into their house and they it's like multi-family dwellings is super common so but it's like the ungratefulness or the entitlement attitude is just I think what rubs a lot of people the wrong way absolutely and in my culture I come from a culture where you know when a man decides to propose to the woman he needs to be able to have a home ready for the wife and for everything to be arranged you know the like my boyfriend is not anywhere near that situation and my parents are just very understanding and you know they say okay well we'll help you guys out because we know that that's just not where you're at in life so it baffles me that Oswelo is in a spot where he's only making twelve thousand dollars a year and Kehlani is staying home with the kids but they still are expecting give me give me give me and they're angry when that doesn't happen it just it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around mm-hmm. I I don't see how this marriage works out. I just don't. Do you think Asuelu's mom pops out these kids and says, oh, $1,000, oh, $1,000. <laughs> sure seems like it. Is he the only boy? Or does he have brothers? There was a family picture that he showed. I'm not sure if that was oh, his yeah. nephews or his cousins, but it. I saw other boys yeah. in the picture, but I'm not sure if he's the only boy. Yeah, because I just feel like there's so much pressure on him. And it's like, is any of this being evenly dispersed between the siblings or, you know? Yeah, that's a good point, Azuelu. Come on board and let us yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let, uh, let's see what happens with them. Let's talk a little bit of li- about Libby and Andre. I'm c- kind of just over this storyline, to be honest. <laughs> um, what did you guys think about you know chuck and charlie and i i think chuck and charlie both had a reason to question andre and interrogate him if you want to say interrogate i yeah they weren't pretty much interrogating him but i mean wrong place wrong time you know why why now why not before your daughter was married to this guy that you knew nothing about that you're all all of a sudden now questioning his uh background and his history and It's like, would it even matter now? Because they're already married. Yeah, someone pointed out online that they've been married for several years. Like that that one, why bring it up now? Or two, is this even real? Do they even care that much? Mm -hmm. 
They just seem like they're just trying to start drama. It just seems that every mm-hmm. single time they're near Andre, it's like, how can we get a rise out of him to almost show Libby, look, you married the wrong person and this is not someone that you should be with over and over again. To be honest, I thought Andre had a point where he was like, this is not the time and place for you guys to yet again bring it up. You know, let's maybe wait until we're all together at home and then we can start having this discussion of whether I tried to marry her for a green card or not. And it sounded like this has been happening a lot. Plus, um, I find it very interesting that they're worried about skeletons in Andre's closet when their entire family has mug shots. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, um, doth thou protest too much? <laughs> and for you know, reckless things. It, re- it reminded me of the Pedro and Chantel dinner. Mm-hmm. A little bit about it, a little flashback there, but that was ridiculous. I mean, what were they doing? Were they breathing just hot breath into each other's mouth? Did they like, <laughs> did they fight? It didn't look like they were even, they're just pulling each other and people were holding them back and uh, just made me feel like it's so scripted in a way. It just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to get their own show, just like the family Chantel, you know, they're getting just and they're like, we can step up this dinner fight. Yeah, and that's, you know, a lot of people are criticizing them for being inauthentic. And that's the way I'm kind of leaning. I I think that they get along much better than is let on. And what we see is just for the show. That's my my perspective. What annoyed the shit out of me was just Libby acting like she's in the middle. Meanwhile, she's constantly pinning one against the other. And it's like, she... Is she stupid? Is she not understanding what she's doing? She's constantly picking either one side or the other after saying that you guys constantly make me feel like I got to choose between you two. And she does. She's stupid enough to actually do it instead of saying, you know what, guys, I'm not going to engage in this. We could talk about she she should be the voice of reason in this, too, because she is she's in the middle. She's the moderator, if you want to call it. So it just is really annoying to hear her say, say the obvious. And they deferred to her. The other thing that I found very interesting about Andre was they bring up this him not working, which I kind of want to defend him here. It seems like at least that they did have a conversation that he would stay home. Child care is very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did agree with him with like, who better to be with her than her father so and I thought it was really unfair that they made him kind of seem like a Mm -hmm. bum when being a stay-at-home parent is an extremely difficult job I am not capable (laughs) I am very appreciative of having child care but you know that is a that is a lot and he seems to be like a really doting father Mm mm-hmm I agree with you. And it's like, Andre, how does it feel to, to, to have people make you feel like what you do is not enough? You know, how does mm-hmm. it feel to be on the other side? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, but I'm kind of just bored. Me too. I'm bored with them. I, you know, I feel like they're kind of filler um, a little bit and it's just kind of, I, I guess I'm bored because I just don't believe it. I just, I'm not... And it's the same story over and over and over again. It's Libby's in the middle. Libby never stands up for Andre. Andre's lazy and condescending. And then the family instigates. It's like, okay, can we do something else? Like fighting isn't anything new. I guess we'll have to see and uh, wait and see what happens if she's going to pursue the second wedding. Because now she's all of a sudden. Oh, oh yeah. Now it doesn't know. Even though they're already married, she doesn't know (laughs) if she's going to go through with the wedding. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about Debbie for a second. Because Debbie came out in full force. She, uh, She revealed her diabolical plan. She let it out that uh, Vanessa was watching the cats and uh, Jess, you know, reacted the way that we know Jess is going to react. I feel like it's refreshing now that Debbie has just come out and been like, I'm trying to sabotage this relationship. What do you guys think? I want to ask you guys if you, so you're both married. If you had a mother-in-law like Debbie, would that affect how your relationship was with your husband? Because it seems like that just takes a huge toll. I could not be in a relationship with 
a man that had that kind of relationship with his mother. And it's not to say like my husband is very close with his mom. Um, However, she lives in Boston. So it's, we don't see her frequently, but they talk on the phone all the time, but to, to have her know like the intimate details of our relationship would be gross to me. (laughs) Debbie is definitely a sheep's and I mean a wolf in sheep's clothing for sure. Her mm-hmm. evilness is coming out. I mean, it's 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 disgusting to see her so aggressive and trying to sabotage her son's happiness. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about this in the last episode where there has to be a line drawn in there somewhere. This is not a normal relationship for a mother to have. And yes, your husband passed away. Yes, you are. You Colt is your only son, but you're putting that pressure on him and making him feel that he's got to choose between his mother or his himself, essentially. And mm-hmm. I, I do feel for Colt in a way because he does feel guilty. His mom is alone. She doesn't have anybody. And I'm sure Debbie manipulates the shit out of Colt by making him feel guilty about her being by herself. Mm-hmm. And, and like we said um a couple weeks ago, you know, while Colt, Colt makes it seem like he takes care of her, but he really doesn't. He just financially supports them both, but she does all of the cooking, cleaning, you know, like Jess, she might've been out of line at that dinner, but she was right. He's, he is a man baby. <laughs> <laughs> he gets so upset. He's like, don't call me a man baby. I don't like all oh, while well, he's wearing his speedo walking across the <laughs> beach. And it looked like he was wearing no nothing underneath only because his, his shirt was so long. So he's like, don't call me a man baby here. Oh. And yeah. they shook the backside of him. And I'm like, you, you do kind of look like a man baby from here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drama, you had a viewer confession sent in for them? Oh, yes, I do. This viewer confession states, Debbie is definitely jealous that, that Jess gets sex with Colt and she doesn't. Ooh, that's I disgusting. feel this way too. And I get so <laughs> much crap on my page. So for all of you that get angry at me for posting this, at least I know I'm not the only one. But it feels like that. It feels like she just is creepishly obsessed. It's uncomfortable to watch. I, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot going on. It's like this Oedipus complex that they have. It's definitely Norman Bates vibes. There's, it, it's, it's too too close, too much, and it makes everyone uncomfortable. And you know what? They play into it too. Like mm-hmm. we can see on social media, even on Pillow Talk when they were mm-hmm. on, it was, they, they play it up and that also makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> mm, I, Debbie's face when the producer asked, did you know Jess had an issue with Vanessa? And she, she's like, no, I didn't. It was, it was the look of, if you look, if you wanted to find out what manipulating means, Debbie would, that, that look that Debbie gave would be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you to all the meme pages that stuck that evil finger up in her face, you know? Dr. Evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's her. Well, you know, I don't really see... They are entertaining to watch. Larissa is entertaining to watch, but I still... The fact that they're on this season is, like, baffling to me. I don't... You can't do look you... away. I do want to ask, do you guys think that when... Colt asked for Jess's father's blessing. Do you think he really meant that? Did he really want his blessing? Or do you think he was just trying to look good on TV? Like, oh, I care so much to get the dad's blessing, but then had no intention of being hurt with her because it's told the Nessa situation. I was conflicted uh, with that. I think it was for TV personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he's, I don't think he's wanting to even get close to talk about marriage and especially it's only been six months since Larissa and it's going to take him a while to get rid of Larissa scars and nightmares so I doubt that he's ready to get married yeah speaking of people ready to get married or or maybe not let's talk about Angela and Michael for a couple minutes Michael actually and I think he didn't mean to said he had to think about you know if if Angela can't tote a baby if if they're really going to go through with the wedding um what did you guys think of that whole scene it summed it out when he said i owe you the most honest answer 
Angela. And that was really respectful of him to, to say, because it's true, right? I mean, he's, he, it really meant a lot for him to be a father. And he, that's what he really wanted to do since the beginning. And she knew that. And she knew that if, if he, if she couldn't provide a child for him, then it would be a deal breaker. He would find another woman to get married to or, or to have his child with. And that was stated since the beginning of the, of their mm. show. So to me, it's, it's nothing new and she shouldn't be as surprised. I really think it was sweet too, that he really had no idea the risks associating with expecting Angela to, ch- to carry a child that he was just in a moment of shock and realizing, you know, maybe I love this woman, you know, having a child's really important and just conflicted with that made it seem like a real relationship. Mm. I think he really does love her, which is beyond me, but um, I think that he, like, obviously there's a lot of pressure on him to have children, and I think this is, like, going to be a very interesting conundrum for them to face, but at the same time, it's like, Angela, you're 54. Are you going to quit smoking for nine months to carry a Mm -hmm. child? Right. (laughs) You couldn't, you couldn't even quit smoking to have, to get your cancer results from your doctor. So (laughs) I I don't know, but, but good news, no cancer. She's clear. Uh, We were, I think we were all pretty happy and excited to hear that. For sure. I was so nervous the whole time, but then I thought, you know what? They wouldn't show that on TV if she did have cancer. That's just too much of a, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, there is there are so many layers to their relationship which which makes them compelling to watch you know some of it is grabs at your heartstrings and then some of it makes you really revolted and i that that's what makes them one of the most compelling couples in my yeah. opinion but we will <laughs> oh man i just to me it's like on what planet does a 54 year old woman even want to go down that road again? You know, I, I was like, I can't imagine being, being that at her age and being pregnant because it does take a huge toll on your body and you're just mm-hmm. not the same. I mean, they, that, there's a reason why they said after 35, you're more high risk. They actually call it a geriatric pregnancy. I remember <laughs> that from when I was uh, going to all my prenatal appointments. You have to, um, um, if you're over 35, you check a box for a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> that yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and hers would definitely be geriatric poor Angela. <laughs> what is she thinking? Who the hell wants to, like you said, I, I guess... It is beyond me too that they these two are really in love. I mean, obviously Angela wants to have this baby for Michael because she loves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you know, and I think part of me thinks you know the his mom keeps bringing it up because she knows she knows that this is gonna that Angela can't do this. She's right. she's not gonna let Michael go off and and have a baby with another woman. So. I know, is- but Michael's, Michael did mention that your money is my money. So it almost seems like he's, a, you know, he's wanting the cake and he wants to eat it too. You know, mm-hmm. he, wants, he wants to be with her because she knows Angela. He knows Angela's making money and that she's doing well in America. So he gets to come over. So he gets to do that and have his own kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, Michael, you've got how many grandkids? <laughs> they don't need any more children. <laughs> You've got, you can take care of all the grandkids at home. Could you imagine your grandchild babysitting your kid? That that would be a weird. Uh, <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you guys, we need to talk about the Paul social media drama that's been going down because it's dark. It's a lot and. I don't even know. I, I think people have confirmed that Karini is somewhere safe, but it's it's very disturbing. I know I messaged you guys that when I was watching his live. What what did what was your take on all of it? Why was he recording? I guess you know what. Maybe he wants to record all this stuff only because he he needs to have that proof. You know, which I, I guess it could be a good thing. But hmm. Karini did state that he's always on. 
lives, taping her without her permission. And I could see that happening. I mean, how creepy. Paul is just on walking that fine line of just a serial killer um, slash, you know, weird. He's just a strange individual, period. So Karini is probably just fed up with him, wants out. Go home. Go home, Karini. Run away. Be safe. I've had some people reach out to me and this really, I never even thought about it, but they were saying, what do you think if Paul is the one that's actually running Karini's page? And so he puts out this panic of, oh my God, where's Karini? She's not okay. And then she says, you know, I'm fine. The police know where to find me. And this was translated by someone. And I mean, that's a dark thought, but really no one has actually seen Karini and Pierre and where they are and what's going on in their well-being. And didn't they do the same thing for clout and for attention last last time? Didn't didn't he post something and it was all about gaining attention? I, I forget what it was. They've multiple times, um, or well, actually, I should say he multiple times has claimed they're getting divorced, claimed she left him, claimed she's cheated on him. Um, he's done this many times. It's never gotten to this point where he's actually Instagram living the police coming over or showing a order of protection that Karini filed, which mm. in that order, there was some really dark stuff in there. Um, so I think everyone has kind of realized that this has come gone to another level than just you know social media shenanigans like there's actually a lot of trauma there for Karini it seems so it's Mm -hmm. just a really sad situation she's pregnant Paul is claiming it's not his child it's it's very dark and that it's uncomfortable to watch and we all feel for Karini you know being a new Mm -hmm. mom breastfeeding, coming to a new country, having no support from Paul's family, having no family here to help her at all, nobody to talk to. And she's just, I guess, falling into maybe even a little bit of depression. Yeah. And the one thing that I hope is that if there is like safety concerns, like genuine safety concerns, that TLC will step up and help secure her and Pierre like a safe space to- Yes to live or uh, accommodations to get back to Brazil. Um, I would hope that they would do something like that. That's my only concern. You know, you bringing that up makes me think back to when they were in Brazil. And I think it was the first season we'd seen them. And then that guy had pulled a machete out to steal Karini's phone. Right. You know, and it was just, and then we saw the producers just all scrambled. Did they take care of them or were they just still filming them, you know, with what was happening in real time? Um, I think everybody was running for their lives. I I think they let her get robbed. (laughs) It was, it seemed pretty um, authentic. It seemed like it was, yeah, like some of the cameras were shaking because I think like producers were running and Mm -hmm. they ran and told Paul that she just got um, mugged and Mm-hmm. It it was bananas, but I, I I hope that they wouldn't. It one time I was watching um I forget what TV show I was watching, and someone was gonna like get in a car and drive home like heavily intoxicated, and the the producers did step in and put a stop to that. So I hope that um that they would step up in that situation. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about? Paul asking his mom to meet him at the pet store just so she can buy him pet food. Holy cow. This guy is, it goes from like bad to worse. I was cracking up. Mary said, wait, so did you just bring me here so I can buy your dog some food? Mary knows. Mary knows what's up. My, my whole thing is that he burned down their house and she still like buys him dog food. <laughs> and his concern is, am I fat mom? Like really out of everything that's going on in your life, this is your greatest concern in life. She's All like, right, Paul, Paul, that's the last thing you should be worrying about, right? I like Mary, and she does put him in his place. Yes. Yeah, but but you know what? She she showed up on that Instagram live, too. Oh, yeah. You hear her voice in the background. Yeah. So why isn't she trying to secure her grandson's safety? It's a great question. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like there's so much more that we're not getting that you know, I feel like we should, it's, if you're going to throw us with all these concerns, you know, I want to know that Karini is okay. Like we want to know that Pierre is okay. I mean, it just seems like a victim of 
Paul's instability. You're right. Why isn't she stepping in, especially if she's like, Paul, if you don't have enough money to buy dog food, how are you taking care of your family? I mean, it, it's obvious that she knows and understand that Paul is incapable of taking care of Pierre. So she should be stepping in a little bit more. I mean, tough love does work. But in this situation, if you know that your son's a deadbeat and he has a small child and his wife is mm-hmm. new in the country and he's got to take care of he can't even take care of himself. And now he's got two other people to take care of and two dogs that he boarded for two months. I don't even know mm-hmm. how he can afford to keep dogs in, in the boarding school for two months while he was away. So she should step in a lot more. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, the couple I always forget that's still on the show is Tanya and Sinjin. I always forget that they are on the show but this this time we saw them traveling to South Africa and Sinjin made a really interesting comment he had said that he um never wants to leave or he may never leave again and Tanya just kind of made a like face these two seem to be on completely separate pages when it comes to their marriage right they all look they both look like they just are ready to go at it with each other all the time there's always so much drama around them but it all comes down to they just got married way too soon I mean it's pretty obvious that especially was it this episode I think it was last episode where he states that if it wasn't for the k-1 visa they would have definitely needed a little bit more to get married so he felt kind of rushed The sister brought that up too. She said, you know, I've seen him in a lot of these relationships and never serious. And she's like that 90 days is too soon for my brother. And so it was just shocking for them to see that. And I think it's sad that he said, you know, I kiss his home and, you know, I'm at home and he's clearly homesick and misses his family. And the Tanya is rolling her eyes like, oh my God, how dare you even say that? You know, it was was so, it was so heartwarming to see the the welcome home sign from his little mm-hmm. sister and yeah. his mom like it was really heartwarming to see that and I just feel that Asuelo needs the same thing you know he's probably as homesick if not more than Sinjin is and if he can only go back home and, and just um, fill his soul with a little bit of family and love maybe mm-hmm. he'd come back a little bit more normal. Seems like such different families though Asuelo's family seems like you know more of demanding and if you love us then you're going to give us everything but Sinjin's family seems like Sinjin if we just have you we're happy and you know we can be, share that love with each other yeah it, and you know I think also so often the narrative on this show is that the foreign fiance is wanting a green card you know lying manipulating their way to America and that's just not the case for everyone mm-hmm. um, I always think of Kyle and Noon where I know that they're living in the states now but they actually left and went back to Thailand because she hated it here <laughs> so not yeah. everyone thinks that America is the best so <laughs> oh my god guys what about <laughs> Roll me nuts. The ASMR tea drinking. What was that? That's as bad as when they get like really loud with the kissing thing. Like TLC, that is unnecessary. Stop it. Yeah. It just goes to show you that she just has no regard for for Sinjin's feelings at all. I mean, he's packed and he's like a little kid, Mm -hmm. super giddy to get out of the hotel right by the door. And she's like, let me just finish my tea. And she constantly makes that stupid sound after she's done. And it drove me absolutely nuts. Yeah. It. Uh, what did he say? I could awkwardly look at you all day. <laughs> That's me trying to flirt, guys. He's funny. He's funny. Yeah. You know what, though? It, and it's so funny. Like, Sinjin got such a great edit the first time around that just seeing him now just kind of being like no direction, just kind of like bumbling around. It's It's pretty funny. He doesn't really want to do much. He says that, yeah, I just want to mm-hmm. uh, make enough to buy a place to live up in the mountains and never even come down from it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that free spirit too. It almost seems like maybe that was something they connected on and then she mm-hmm. changed her mind and he just stayed the same way. Did he yeah. have bare feet on the airplane? Yes. Oh. Yes, yes. That is like, I noticed that. And I think Tanya said he walked into a bank once barefoot and it's like <laughs> oh I cannot I cannot 
What is this tea that you have tote with, um, with his brother? Oh my goodness, you guys. So I have been talking to, so his brother Dylan has an ex-girlfriend and they have gotten into these crazy fights and he's cheated on her to the point where he cheated on someone and then now she has an STD. And it's to the point where today that there was a court date and it was to decide whether or not she wanted to keep this order of protection because he came to her apartment with a knife and was screaming and was yelling at the neighbors and almost ran over a neighbor with his motorcycle. And so she said, you know what, you know, maybe I'll try and give him another chance. He blew off the court date because he doesn't respect her, doesn't care about her feelings. So she said, you know what, yes, I want to keep this order of protection. Clearly he doesn't care. So now there's currently a warrant for his arrest in South Africa. And she said, you know what, maybe I'll give him another chance. And she messaged him and he was just an absolute jerk back. And so I'm really excited. We're going to interview her and share that with all of you guys. So you can really see what's going on with Sinjin's family. And you know, Drama, you brought it up one time, too, that Sinjin, when he was having an argument with Tanya, that he said something to the effect of, well, at least I don't hit you, right? And that just seems like such a shocking mm-hmm. thing to say, you know, like, why mm-hmm. would someone bring that up if that's not something that you've seen in your life or if that's a cultural thing? Yeah, he said, he says, I've been good to you. I've never harmed you. And I was like, whoa, what? I mean, is that something you even put together in a sentence when it comes down to a relationship? Is that... You know, it's almost like, I don't, I don't harm you. So you should be happy. Yes. We, we are getting all the tea, even though I'm drinking coffee right now. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. Be sure to like subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow us on our Instagram page at 90 days on fire podcast. And from there you can follow us all individually. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. See ya.